122 fractured skulls our final episode of 2022 it is december 29th 2022 if you can believe it terminator travis alongside monoxide monoxide 2022 has been quite an interesting year 2022 has been bizarre to say the least especially in the realm of what we follow you want yeah. to go that far yeah, I mean, obviously, for those that are listening, know that we're wrestling fans, both you and I. Oh, man, wrestling in general has been just topsy-turvy. Yeah, uh, just quickly, yeah, go over the big wrestling stuff. Obviously, the biggest news of the year in the world of wrestling is Vince McMahon stepping down. Yeah, uh, it was always said amongst wrestling fans that dude was going to die in the fucking chair. He was never going to retire. As Ric Flair would say, I will never retire. He fucking retired. Yeah, he uh, took the advice of whoever he was listening to, and they felt, you know, with all these accusations going around or going on for him, the best thing for him to do to avoid any more negative publicity for the company was for him to step away, step down. And this was a long time coming. This needed to happen, oh God, a long time. I mean, this this is probably one of the biggest wrestling news, I'd say even, even in the past decade. Mr. McMahon has finally stepped down at the age of 77 years old. Probably the oldest CEO ever in a company, unless you're that guy from the freaking Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah, because that dude, he, he was a control freak. He was a workaholic. He wasn't going to do dick with his time unless it was with WWE. Because that's all he did for, like, since, like, the early 80s. He ran WWE. That was it. And I, I would say it's the biggest wrestling news story since Chris Benoit. Was name me a story in between that that even comes close. Other than I don't even think it comes close is the Undertaker streak coming to an end. No, I mean I don't think the Undertaker streak coming to an end made any headlines on Fox News, but the Benoit stuff did. I, I the Undertaker streak I did see in a newspaper. I do remember being in New Orleans. And going to a restaurant, and they were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But yeah, the Benoit stuff was crazy. Uh, did I just say Benoit stuff? The McMahon stuff was crazy. Seeing that he apparently used company money to give these women hush money. That's no surprise to me, in the slightest. I mean, he, he was on TV talking about his grapefruits. He did angles where his wife, who had a nervous breakdown, who was in a comatose state, as a heel, made made out with Tristratus in front of her. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, this man was, he was ballsy. Yeah, very ballsy. Yeah, well, he did say he had the biggest grapefruits. <laughs> But with all the whole cancel culture stuff happening, they're going after all these people. It was just a matter of time before they would reach the events. Surprised it took this long. I know. It took a long ass time. It took somebody spilling the beans. Yep. And it's it's the difference that we're seeing with the show now, since he was running it, has been night and day. Well, that's the thing. You needed it. the show needed a whole new creative vision for it to really take it to the next level. And Vince, you could argue, has been out of touch for decades. I would say 
the, the you can argue the product had been bad for a long time, but the cracks really started to become more blatant. I would say around 2015. That's where it became super blatant. Before that, I can see people making cases about the product being enjoyable for them, but 2015. That's when it just became became too ridiculous. But yeah, Vince stepping down, and now you know, I, I want to come back, damn it. Yeah, now and he thinks he could just waltz back in and become CEO again. Yeah, um, we're, this you're gonna keep hearing that that story until he he literally drops. As long as he's breathing, he's gonna want to run that company. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he'll succeed. Do you think he will? I don't know. I mean, for him to succeed, he's got to be voted back in, right, by the board? I don't know how it works. I just know that he has a lot of voting power. Oh, yeah. He still has has a stake in the company. Yeah. So, I mean, for him to come back, I mean, Triple H, Stephanie, and Nick Connor are really going to have to fuck up badly for them to say, God damn, we really need Vince back. Yeah. And they're not doing any better or any worse. Than Vince, They're, yeah, the show has been relatively doing fine without Vince. As far as a quality standpoint, it's been doing better without Vince. Some of the guys and gals that were fired on Vince were hired right back: Dexter Loomis, Dakota Kai, uh, William Regal, William Regal, Johnny Gargano, uh, Candice LeRae. <clears throat> Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, um, the rap group. Oh, Hit Row, The OC, Mia Yim. There's been plenty of talents that just got let go that were brought back. Well, yeah, because when Triple H had his unfortunate uh, heart heart attack incident, I mean, Vince came in to NXT and just raided the whole place. He fired all Triple H's people. Yep. Not just people, the talent that Triple H was grooming to be the next future. Yeah, and they all got fired. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if Vince were to come back, they'd all get fired again. And and there's proof of that. Uh, Samoa Joe. He, literally Samoa Joe got hurt and then did commentary for about a year during the pandemic era. And uh, WrestleMania 37 was the first show that they were going to do with fans since COVID. But Joe had to wear a fucking poncho in the middle of the rain in Tampa Bay to commentate WrestleMania for two nights. And then right afterwards, he was fucking let go. Triple H got wind of this, hired his ass right back, put him into NXT, made him the NXT champion. Soon as Triple H had that heart ailment and Vince took over, fucking fired him right again. Yeah, he had he was in it. Yeah, he had him drop the title on the new 2.0, and then he he just quietly disappeared. And eventually, they fired him. That was their way. That was their way of writing him off. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, and people also seem to forget that Stephanie also was gonna took a leave of absence. That only lasted by about for what a couple weeks. It was right up until the Vince controversy started to really kick into gear. Yeah, and she got. She was brought back to uh, be co-CEO with 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 Saint Nick, Saint Nick and uh, Hontor, and uh, I, creative. I I guess I can take back my comments about Nick Khan as far as the firings because Vince McMahon's been gone what since the summer, 
And we haven't had mass firing since. No, we're like, what, what are we, six months into this? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad to admit that I am wrong about Nikon. I still wouldn't want him to take over. Because, again, at the end of the day, he is still a businessman. He's not going to look at wrestling the same way as Stephanie would because Stephanie's grown up into this industry. She's going to have more sentimental value. So I still hold firm to my belief out of the two, I would prefer Stephanie have control. She would still have that core value, even though I may not agree with a lot of it. So we'll, we'll see you know, what happens because we're not even a full year into, I guess, the Triple H... I guess, post-Vince era of WWE. We still haven't seen how the Royal Rumble will be run under uh, Triple H. How WrestleMania is going to be booked under Triple H? I think it'll be good. It's Triple H so far. He's been... Man, the show has been way more easy to digest under him. It's just been super easy. Whether I like the show or not, or certain angles or not, I still am able to stomach the show or at least watch it more so under him than with Vince because with Vince angles would just get mysteriously dropped. Uh, promos would be heavily scripted. Now it doesn't feel like the promos are as scripted as they were under Vince. The, the, the Triple H isn't coming in a half hour before the show, tearing up the script, telling them to rewrite the show. So I think we're safe under Huntor. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, what happens in the next couple months for WWE in 2023, brother. Yeah. What was it, that, that infamous tweet? Good night, Hulkamaniacs. Oh, yeah, Marks, who worked themselves into a shoot, something like that. <laughs> Such a great... He deleted the tweet, unfortunately. But it's the internet. Nothing ever gets deleted forever. Yeah, yeah that tweet is still easy to find. Yeah. But that was the big news in the wrestling industry. Of course, in the entertainment industry, 2022 has not been a good year for uh, fantasy shows like Rings of Power. I hear Willow on Disney Plus is an absolute disaster. Some are saying it's it's worse than that, worse than Rings of Power and She-Hulk. Man. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> is it woke? Yeah. Oh, gee, what a surprise. That's, that's, I, 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 I'm starting to hate saying that word woke because it's becoming like, it's like a cliche, but fuck, it's what it is. It's woke. It's about the message. I mean, of course, you can't forget the G1 mess with Frosky the woke girl. Yeah. Um, non-woke related, I think we saw the end of Walking Dead this year. Yeah, Walking Dead came to an end. We had a new season of Stranger Things dropped. Another season of Cobra Kai. Yep. Uh, quite an interesting year. Yeah, um, that blockbuster sitcom series that Netflix did only lasted one season and it already got canceled. I don't know. Do sitcoms on Netflix work as well as they do, let's say, on, like, on, on a regular network ch uh, channel? The only one I really watched, and it was for nostalgia purposes was Fuller House. Does it work and, on Netflix? Do you think it would work better if it was like on CBS or even like like Nick at Night? Uh, I didn't mind it. I mean, they had the same... But no, actually the laugh track was even more intense on Fuller House than it was on Full House. And 
on Netflix, they were allowed to do a little bit more lewd stuff. Because Fuller House was definitely looter. It wasn't like lewd in the sense of they were saying tits, ass, and fuck, and all that stuff. But the humor was, the innuendos were definitely super noticeable. And I think Netflix can get away with more under their umbrella than, let's say, a cable network television show. What is it? The From the hours of 9 to 10 p.m., we will only say the words ass, damn, and hell. However, we will never use the words bitch, shit, fuck, goddamn, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to say the next word because I don't want us to get canceled, but let's just say it is a derogatory term for gay people that begins with the letter F. That was very long-winded, I know. <laughs> but this was 1998 when Triple H gave this speech, so... Well, we've also seen the end of not just The Walking Dead on AMC, but the conclusion of Better Call Saul. Yeah, I still got to watch that last season. I, I've watched all five seasons. Still got to watch that season six. I'm surprised it hasn't dropped on Netflix by now. Yeah, that's why I'm upset. My dad's basically gone out and said he's going to buy the whole season on Verizon. So good, because I want to watch this damn thing. Yeah, it's 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 worth it. It's a, it's probably one of the most underrated shows on television. Better than Breaking Bad? I don't know. I yeah. wouldn't be mad at people that say if it is, because I think Better Call Saul is an excellent show. I think their subplots were, were, for the most part, better than the subplots on Breaking Bad. Yeah, it, they never had an episode like The Fly that somehow people on the internet now love to death, even though the freaking episode almost served no purpose. And everybody that's explained, oh, well, it, this is explaining this, this, and this, almost every other episode already explained in better detail and in a less boring fashion. Yeah, that is, that is literally the definition of a filler episode. They had an extra episode, they didn't know what to do with it, nah, let's do this. Yeah. And I think the biggest problem is The Fly was in what? Season... Was it season... Season four. So, the thing about that is, when the show first started, yeah, it was supposed to be more comedy-based, but it just ended up being what it is. It tried to go back to that route, and it just didn't work, for me at least. I didn't get... didn't I, I didn't laugh at it at all. I was bored. Same. Same. Especially since the previous episode, it ended on a cliffhanger. So you were more interested in how they were going to follow up on it. 2022 was also not a good year for Warner Brothers. We mentioned the DC shit that they're in right now. Um, selling chart or trying to give away streaming rights to what, one of their many canceled shows. We're moving shows off of HBO Max. HBO Max possibly going to be getting rebranded by the summer of next year, I believe, to HBO Max Discovery or whatever the hell they're calling it. Avatar, $1.1 in the box office. We're halfway there. And if you think you're going to make $2 billion, it's crazy. I, I didn't think they could do it. They're, they're getting there. They're crawling the way to $2 billion. And they got there pretty damn quickly. When did the movie come out? The week before Christmas? Roughly, yeah. 
I mean, if I'm Paramount and I'm watching this, I would con- I would consider pushing back Sonic. Well, Sonic, yeah, okay. Either Sonic. push it earlier or push it to next year, because January, February, and maybe even March are usually a dead are dead months for when it comes to movies. That's when movies kind of release all the crap. Crap? Why? Why those three months specifically? Well, no, no big blockbuster movies come out in January or February. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Like, why is that a, a thing? Uh, I guess it's after the holidays. No one's going to really want to spend money. So it's not really a good time, I guess, to release a big blockbuster movie around that time. I mean, unless <laughs> unless it's a Marvel movie, maybe? Uh, I guess. I, I, I could see January because it is the month after. But February and March, it bleeds into them. Sometimes it bleeds. It bleeds into February. March, not so much. Um, I mentioned that uh, we do have a death reported 11 hours ago. The director of Cannibal Holocaust, a film re-reviewed, Rogerio Diodato, has passed away at the age of 83. Is this the one um, where they killed a live turtle? Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. I was uh, I was not really thrilled about that one. Yeah, it's not a. It's a very uncomfortable scene to sit through. Um, but fuck, I mean, I can't lie. Cannibal Holocaust is a very well-made film. Perhaps you could say a little too well-made. I was close to saying that until I found <laughs> out that a lot of the shit they did was real. Yeah, a lot of it was real and authentic, and I, I guess that's what the director was going for. He wanted to make it an uncomfortable experience, and I and I do believe he succeeded in doing that. It's a very tough film to recommend because it's like, well, who do you recommend this movie to? It's not a bad movie. Yeah, but well, Peter, who's, who's the who's the audience? Who who would this cater to? Uh, Peter, maybe. Uh, realistically, just uh, anybody who's a horror movie buff that's looking to expand their horror movie knowledge. Yeah, that's really that's really the only person. I mean, and they gotta have, I guess, a sick mind. They gotta like movies like this. No, we are sick minded. Well, let me speak for myself. I am sick minded. I, I I I'm sick too. I you know I could watch movies like this, but yeah, it is. As I mentioned, it is an uncomfortable film, especially once you uh, get to the second half of the movie. Once you start seeing the footage that the kids are recording, um, going around raping uh, villagers, killing turtles, killing animals. And really, really, it, like... It's a very controversial film, and it's infamous for those reasons. I was able to watch the turtle scene of... But then that's when you revealed to me it was real. I'm like, why did they have to kill a real turtle for that? It made no sense. He wanted the director wanted the realism, and I, he definitely succeeded in that in that realm. He wanted the realism. Okay, so then why didn't you just really kill your actors and have their heads severed and all that stuff? Yeah, he almost went to jail because the day people thought watching that the actors did get killed. He was almost charged with manslaughter. What saved him was that the actors showed up in court. And then the whole trial got dropped. All his charges got yeah got dropped. But he didn't even get charged for animal cruelty. I don't think so. Crazy. Maybe because of the part of the country he was filming in. I don't know. It's because they did film in South America. Fair right? enough. I I don't know the rules, so maybe you're allowed to torture animals. So. Yeah. Uh, 2022 was a big year for horror movies financially. I mean, they're they've been one of the most successful films in the box office whether it be uh the black phone which i know you recently saw yeah really enjoyed it 
Slack Phone, uh, your other favorite film, Barbarian. Oh, yeah, bitches. <laughs> favorite. Oh, my God. Uh, are, are we? Uh, is this opposite day or some shit? Because <laughs> then by, by that logic, our last movie, Mrs. Claus, is yours. When I say Barbarian, um, Smile, the one on Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah, Barbarian definitely to- doesn't make me smile. <laughs> no. Brought brought in uh, over two hundred million at the box office, made of a budget of what I believe twenty, I think forty million the most. Mm-hmm. So that did very well, and of course the big horror slash everyone talked about this year was Terrifier two. Really? Made on a budget of I believe six hundred fifty thousand dollars and brought back over ten million. Big hit, and I remember having this conversation with uh, Mr. Gangone, I believe in our last episode. That we feel that this may be almost, um, almost if like the midnight movie, the Grindhouse era of films, like almost similar, like Maniac. Those type of movies could possibly be making a small comeback. I mean, it seems like the audience want these kind of movies again. The problem with horror movies is that they're so formulaic. They 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 follow the same routine, and it's not even the routine that got the horror movie genre kicking. It's just been a routine that's been followed since, I would say, the 90s. Where it's just jump scares and gore. That's it. And the audience seems to be okay with that. I'm okay with it to an extent. Not when it's, like, the only form of horror movie that you can make. Mm-hmm. Just, like, yeah, certain movies, they you can get away with that. Like, your Saws, uh, your Evil Deads. Although the Evil Dead remake was like the absolute drizzling shits, <laughs> but uh, the there are movies that could be gore, like uh, the Friday Thirteenth and stuff like that. But when that's all you you can make, is that really a horror film? Because it's the same. I think where you said this, you, you can sneak up behind somebody and blow a car horn in their ear and they'll get scared. That that doesn't take talent. Because anybody can fucking do that takes talent is actually like being able to suck them into the scene and have them really feel genuinely scared that's true fear but i don't see horror films ever going away there's always stories going to be an audience for that who like that kind of stuff i mentioned horror movies i can't forget about jordan peele's nope yeah um he's made a couple films now yeah this is his third feature film following okay. um us and uh, his first one get out yeah, his, his titles are very simple. Nope. Get out. Yep. Us. Yeah. Us. <laughs> his next one's going to be They, Them. They, Them. They, oh, God. It's, I think that's a TV show, They, Them. Oh, my God. Is it Woke? I don't know. It's on Peacock. It stars Kevin Bacon. I haven't seen it. I think it's supposed to be like a slasher type show. Well, and on Hulu, we can't forget they released a new... They made a new Hellraiser movie. Yeah, we talked about this, I believe. Yeah, uh, it wasn't too bad. And then, of course, they made the uh, they made Prey, which was a Predator uh, film, uh, a prequel film, I guess you can say. Didn't we also talk about this? A little bit. We're not starving for horror movies as they are pumping them out left and right. Yeah, but um, I guess it seems to be an, uh, a little audience for that. As I mentioned, I like this kind of stuff. And obviously, we live in an era of reboots, sequels. Speaking of sequels, we review one of them, Halloween Ends. 
Let's hope it does. <laughs> Let's hope that's the end of that. Yeah. After that fucking shit fest. <laughs> that was... I don't know. There were actually people who actually liked that film. And I can... I, I get it. We're all entitled to our opinions. You're definitely entitled to it. If you liked it, don't let my gripe against you derail your enjoyment of it. But I am morbidly curious as to how you found that enjoyable. Yeah, I um, I just it was just for me it was just a very underwhelming uh, conclusion to this new trilogy of Michael and Laurie. Yeah, it's a weird way to end it. Very, yeah, very, yeah, it was just a very weird ending. I think that, I think we had a good year of documentaries. Um, Peacock they dropped a uh, Casey Anthony. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, no she basically parents. cashed in her victim card. Yeah, no parents gonna watch that and not get angry. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I watched them like, what is it? Why is she blaming her dad? It's my dad's fault, dude. Literally, almost. Well, almost a whole entire documentary it's somebody else's fault yeah not one part of it is her fault it's somebody else's fault the only part she, I felt she took responsibility was like yeah I lied I didn't work in the offices at uh what was it Disney World yeah but even then when she said that I lied she blamed her lying nature on her family family yep so again yeah I lied but it's not my fault I was taught to lie. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, okay. Right. Hey, you, you know those people that, like, they're so far gone in their delusion. You just don't even want to bother arguing with them. Yeah. That's, that's Casey Anthony. It's like, dude, you got away with... All right, if you didn't murder this child, you definitely neglected this child. You didn't even get hit with that. So... Just you can't be retried. Fuck the fuck off. Yeah, you can't be. She can say right now. Yeah, I killed a baby, and she can't go to trial. She can't go to jail because by law you can't go to court twice over the same thing after it's been ruled. Yeah. So she can confess. Yeah, I did it, and, and she nothing could... will be done to her. It's just you know, except the only thing she's be bringing is more heat on herself. Yeah, she can't go to jail after that. Even if more evidence just happens to magically appear and it links directly to her, doesn't matter. She already had her trial amongst her peers, and that's it. It's, yeah, it's she had a trial, and she was found not guilty. I found her not guilty beyond reasonable doubt. And another documentary we saw was the... Have you seen Teddy Hart yet? I've not seen this documentary series. I know you've been recommending it to me. Yes, yes, you, you gotta get on top of that one. I will, eventually. I, I wanted to watch it with the wife because I know she would be interested in watching it. Mm -hmm. So, we'll watch it probably this weekend during New Year's Eve weekend. Because I'm broke and I can't do shit. And over on Netflix, a documentary I think you, you recommended me to watch was the, um, the Concert of 99. The, uh, fuck. Woodstock. Woodstock, yes. Woodstock, The Ride of 99. Great little documentary series. It is. I, my father, <laughs> he, I remember he, I, when I was watching it downstairs, he kind of just came downstairs just to get something to eat and just kind of go, go on the computer for a bit. He's like, oh. And he sees Kid Rock. He's like, oh, this fucking guy. And then before <laughs> he... <laughs> he I love like that. Oh, this fucking guy. 
He's like, oh god, here's Trump's boy. <laughs> <laughs> he is Trump's boy. He literally has a song called Let's Go Brandon. <laughs> and it's literally the chorus goes, We the people, let's go Brandon. <laughs> he does not like Kid Rock. Kid Rock and the Backstreet Boys, he despises. Oh, I don't know. Kid Rock's been on my good side in the last couple of years. Ever since he made that comment when he was being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, he said, I want to body slam some Democrats. That was fucking hilarious. And AJ Styles slapped his ass off in front of Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's probably sitting there and being like, take that, gay community. <laughs> <laughs> for those that are very curious um, Woodstock 99 was a concert that uh, they wanted to do and make and their biggest mistake was that they wanted to make a profit yeah weird because it's not like it's being run by some random person taking over the Woodstock name it would the it was literally ran by the same guy that ran Woodstock 69 he would have thought he would have thought the same thing for 99 as he did with 69 i give him credit i mean granted he's no longer with us he passed away so i i, I don't like speaking ill of the dead in this case because he's it's not like he was an evil cruel person but uh i give him credit he was trying to think modern contemporary thinking because this is 99 let's get the artists that kids like today thing is is that the artists that kids like today were a little bit more rebellious or at least in 1999 yeah and that's the thing is it's a it's 30 years later it's a completely different time period and you know we're we're in a different state of country we know we're not in the war with vietnam anymore so yeah. what, what exactly is are we doing here with woodstock 99 like where's like what what's the big theme you know your big theme was uh mass shootings mass shootings okay so let's get James Brown. Yeah. <laughs> and let's get uh, Limp Biscuit to sing Break Stuff. <laughs> and get Fat Boy Slim. Uh, who else did they have there? Red Hot Chili Peppers. It uh, is funny in the sense of the, the creative choices that they made. And one there was one little scene that my father loved was when they interviewed some of the fans. They're like, well, you, you ain't going to see the fucking Backstreet Boys here. My dad's like, yeah. <laughs> oh jeez! My father never liked boy bands. He hated pop music in the late '90s, early 2000s. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. He despises that music to this very day. If you play "I Want It That Way," he walks away. He'll change the channel, change the station, whatever. He despises the Backstreet Boys. He hates boy bands. But he also hates somebody who I believe, I could be wrong, has this boy bands in Kid Rock. Well, I don't think he... He doesn't dislike Kid Rock's music, per se. He dislikes just Kid Rock's political stance. How could you hate Kid Rock's <laughs> political stance, man? Body slamming Democrats? <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think he's heard that clip or speech. Oh, man. Oh, that made me change my whole perception of that man. <laughs> <laughs> That right there. And and they told him, go in and don't say anything political. <laughs> Normally, I, I, I agree. You shouldn't be saying anything political at a Hall of Fame speech. But with how much wokeism has overtaken 
all the media, it was just nice to see somebody give it in the other direction, if you get what I'm saying. Mm. It was just, it was a fresh, it just felt so fresh. Because, you know, like somebody would have said, I want to buy some, some Republicans or Republicans all need to die. It was just refreshing to see a mainstream star like Kid Rock actually go out there and be able to say, I want to body slam some Democrats. <laughs> Speaking of the mainstream, have you heard um, what they're doing with Hooters? I heard something. Well, yeah, well, the story was that they're, cha- they're closing down stores to, to rebrand the image, which is bullshit. Because what exactly are you rebranding when it comes to the, the restaurants? The only problem would be only thing they're really uh, rebranding are, are just the uh, the attire of the waitresses. Yeah. Anyone that's been in Hooters... I've actually never eaten at a Hooters in my life. Never. I ate there one time. So I don't, I don't know what their food quality is like. Yeah, I ate there one time. It was many years ago. I don't even remember. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the girls, they wear very... I want to say tank tops. But very tight shirts... And and short shorts, aren't short shorts? Yes, it's so a they very, they show a lot of skin, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's very revealing. Yes, and obviously in today's uh, culture, that's not gonna fly. And I you know, I, and I knew eventually this was gonna be a problem with them. I don't know. Today's culture, when it comes to sexuality, is fucking weird as hell. You get the same people who are saying, don't slut shame women. Women should be allowed to be free to uh, express their own sexuality. But then you get those same women that says, stop, stop uh, demeaning me or stop looking at me like an object. Like, I don't even know anymore. So it seems like they're going to be changing up their um, their attires going forward. And probably may they may even hire some men. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how far away they want to get away from that image, but I mean, this was eventually gonna. It's a long time coming. It was eventually gonna happen. Good luck, because if it don't work, get those damn tank tops and orange booty shorts back. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder. No one's complained about the name, right? Hooters. I wasn't. Well, at least not yet. Sooner or later, they'll make an issue with the name, and then they're going to have to rebrand the whole fucking company. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Uh, anything else happened in 2022? Obviously, you know, we had a lot of deaths. Sidney Poitier, Kirstie Alley, James Caan, Paul Servino. I'm pretty sure there's so many more names on this list that I'm forgetting. Um, yeah, I, a, lot of, a lot of deaths this year. We had the World Cup, Argentina won. Uh, the Super Bowl, the Rams won against the Bengals. Uh, Who won the World Series? I think the Astros. Okay, I don't. I yeah, the Astros. Uh, Henry Cavill leaving his TV show, uh, The Witcher. We we touched upon on this, and I heard The Witcher Blood Origins is uh, no bueno. Uh-huh. It's a four-part pre- prequel series to The Witcher. I think it takes place like a thousand years before. I heard that's not good. Yeah, and who who would have thought one of the elements in Rock Paper Scissors would have destroyed DC? 
Uh, but good news for any fans of Nightmare on Elm Street, there is going to be an Elm Street fan documentary titled Fredheads. Fred. Released in February 2023. Fredheads. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be filmed similar to uh, Hell to the Deadites. It's That's a uh, documentary about the fans of the Evil Dead films. It's uh, very informative. It's almost like, you know, filming wrestling fans going at, like, wrestling conventions. All it's right. basically what Hell to the Deadites is. And I wouldn't be surprised that's probably what uh, Fred Hedge is going to be like. Because that just reminds me of um, in Secaucus. You probably know what I'm talking about. You know where the Outback Steakhouse is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Originally, that was a Red Robin. And then, like, after the Red Robin closed, it became Redheads. Just a seafood restaurant. So as soon as you said Fredheads, for some reason, it reminded me of that. Redheads. Oh, it's going to be releasing February 14th, 2023. Oh. And, and it's, it's going to have interviews from actors from the previous films. Probably talking about, you know, their interactions with fans. Because you do have, like, hardcore fans that go all out. Probably collect a lot of memorabilia. Okay. I guess. I guess. Be interesting. Yeah, well, you know, when I was watching The Evil Dead, The Hell to the Deadites, uh, they mentioned uh, one of the biggest memorabilia you could have is the keys to the Evil Dead house when they first go in in the fir- very first movie. Some Someone on the ring crew had the, the prop keys that they uh, used in the film. They said, yeah, like... And they asked, you know, some Evil Dead fans will pay crazy money for that. I can imagine how much that would cost. Like, it, it's all about the demand, supply, how much people really want it. In fact, you know, it's fascinating at the same time, too. Like, some some people really go all out for this kind of stuff. I, you know, I just I just think the same thing with wrestling, how people, like, wrestling fans go crazy with wrestling, wrestling memorabilia. Whether it be collecting belts, uh, wrestling attires... Same thing goes, you know, with movies. The thing is, those belts ain't cheap, man. No. One of, those, one of those belts costs like a few hundred dollars. Yeah, it possibly going to thousands, depending, yeah, depending what you want and what you get. And you could, I, if that's belts, I can imagine what it's like with movies. Collecting props? Shit. Imagine, imagine, imagine owning the robot arm that, that, that was in the second Terminator film that they had in that case. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if I want to think about how much that's going to cost because <laughs> that's from that's from one of the most all-time classics. Or how much the ruby slippers from was it a vase would cost? Yeah. God damn! Imagine if somebody had those. Yeah, I know Lady Gaga owns the Batmobile from the Adam West uh, Batman series. Jesus, I would have thought freaking Jay Leno would have. Yeah, right. I I think it was featured on the show. Yeah, or um, oh, what's that dude's name from Top Gear? I know. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm gonna be looking it up because it's just gonna bother the shit out of me. Jeremy Clarkson. Hmm. What's the guy's name? I would have figured he would have owned it or something. Oh. Well, um, last but not least, let me get a list here of the most successful films of 2022. And I know the top three films are not Marvel. Well, oh, you want to take, take a guess what number one is? Of the most successful movie this year. Yes. Avatar? Uh, no. What's the question? I don't know. Can't be Halloween Ends. 
No. Um, I feel like I'm going to kick myself in the ass if I don't. You are. You, you will, once I tell you. 2022, big movie. I can't even fucking think straight right now. Go ahead, tell me. Top? Top Gun. Uh, yes. Okay. Paramount's most successful film of all time, Top Gun Maverick. And runner-up behind that is Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, I heard that movie was panned, though. Yeah, but yeah, critically, it was. I heard it was panned, yeah. Gee, what a fucking surprise. Well, right now, it says here number three is... Oh, no, and uh, and then number three is Minions, The Rise of Gru. Gru? <laughs> Gru. Okay. And then after that, you got the Marvel stuff, so blah. Right. Okay. And then after that is the bat, the Batman. Yeah, I'm surprised. Well, no, I'm not surprised that it wasn't higher because that came still when the pandemic was at its height. Because it came out what 2021 or no, it came out this year, but like February, I believe it came out. Uh yeah. So yeah, so we were still in pandemic mode, or at least at least hitting the tail end of it. Yes. Yep. Top Gun drew one billion four hundred eighty-six million. Six hundred fifty-seven thousand seven hundred eighty-three dollars, and Jurassic World drew one million and one billion and one million and change. Those are those are the only billion-dollar movies. Well, not counting Avatar. Yeah. So, all in all, it's been a pretty interesting year for 2022 when it comes to horror movies or horror (laughs) movies, movies in general. I'm sorry. I'm just like so fucking. Flatlined. It's been a busy week, and I got New Year's prepared with the wife. But we wanted to give you this review. One last review for 2022. Yep, yeah. You want to get to it? Uh, Is that everything? That's uh, everything I wanted to cover. Alrighty. Then I guess we got a movie to review. Pardon me. That's the Dr. That's... Pepper talking. Ah, the, do- the doc. The doc is talking. Yes, the doc is giving me his diagnosis, saying you need more. Well, in today's review, we got a New Year's uh, horror film, Terror Train, released in 1980 with a with an R rated, with a rating of R. I can't speak. Film is a little yeah, over 90 really? minutes. Really? 90 minutes? Okay, yeah. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, directed by Roger Spottiswood. This was a uh, he came out with the idea of this movie, I guess, after watching Halloween and had a dream that, um, I guess, you could film a slasher on a train, which is, I guess, that's one idea that hasn't been done yet. A slasher film taking place on a train, which makes it unique in a way. So uh, let's talk about Terror Train. Mm. First time viewing, I'm assuming. And this was surprisingly distributed by 20th Century Fox. What? Yeah. When the hell was 20th Century Fox ever interested in slasher films? At some point in 1979 or 1980 when they released this. Yeah, 1980. This was the only slasher film they ever uh, distributed. Yeah. It was a... This movie made me feel claustrophobic. Ah, because of the setting. Yeah, the setting was like they were always in some tight space. It was very weird. It was a very weird 
thing to digest. Um, and at this, it's at this rate, even though yeah, we've seen Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, it's still weird to see her as a very young woman. Because by the time that we were growing up watching Jamie Lee Curtis and some of those uh, family comedy films, she was already in her forties at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, seeing her young is just weird. But she decided to take on a role as the victim of another horror film. But this time, the killer is not as rememberable. No, this was, let's see, this is post-Halloween. She only did a handful of horror films before uh, Trading Places, this being one of them. And uh, another one she did was Prom Night, which we'll probably review, I guess, in around the summertime. Uh-huh. And I guess her only her only other memorable horror film that's not Halloween would be The Fog, which was also a John Carpenter movie. Right. So I think Prom Night and this film, I would say Terror Train More, probably falls under the forgettable slasher films. Even for a slasher film, I think it's pretty eh. Yeah. But as I mentioned, what makes this, I guess, stand out from the other generic slasher films is the setting. And you got David Copperfield. Wow. A pseudo-David Copperfield, in a way. Um, so, the film is just basically uh, a bunch of these students, these college students, going out for New Year's on a train. But the film starts off with, like, all these college students, like, getting wasted and one guy in particular his name is kenny he's a very awkward individual they try to get him to go mack it with jimmy lee curtis's character alana and uh he goes into a room where alana's in and he's about to get with her she like lures him in but then somehow as he gets onto the bed he sees what was it, a fake decomposed body or some shit? Well, it was supposed to be a real dead body on the bed, but they covered up to make it look like Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Alana, was, like, waiting for him in bed. Yeah, so then he gets all, like, flabbergasted and starts uh, twisting himself into the curtains and everyone's laughing at him. Whereas Alana, she's just kind of like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like, like, we went too far, guys. Yeah, so then the very next the very next scene is them outside on a train and yep. they're getting ready. Three, three years later goes by. Oh, really? It was three years later. Okay. So, yep. It's graduation time. It's New Year's. And uh, for the kids at the fraternity or the school, whatever, they're about to have a big cost- costume party on this train. But also a magic show from, as I mentioned, David Copperfield. But unwilling to them... There is a killer that has slipped aboard, and it kills all. It kills all those kids one by one. At least all those kids that were responsible for what they did to uh, Kenny. Right. Because I think you mentioned Kenny has a bit of a. He has mental issues. I think they said he ended up in a, a mental asylum. Well, they kind of. This whole movie was kind of alluding to it could have been anybody. They didn't want to say right away it was Kenny. And, and not only that, they kind of alluded to... Didn't they allude to the fact that the magician was Kenny? At some point, or some dumb shit? I can't even remember. 
So they kill somebody. Uh, this killer kills the guy who's dressed as Groucho Marx outside of the train, and then the train runs the dead body over. And there's a point where the the killer who's now wearing what that dude was wearing the Groucho Marx gear uh, is with a girl, and then the one dude who's dressed as a lizard takes him into the bathroom and he kills him by throwing his head into the mirror. He's got some strength. Yeah, he does. Um, The magician shows some magic tricks to Alana that are pretty impressive. Uh, Alana likes this one guy that's with his uh, friend who's like one of those fraternity leaders that just always has to take it one step too far. I'm trying to remember like every single well, word. This, yeah, there's no, there's really not a lot. There's really not a lot of substance here for the film. I mean, they they throw in some drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lana having some boyfriend issues with this guy, and you know they they do mention they uh, you know some I guess I don't know they well she still feels kind of guilty what happened three years ago to Kenny and other guys are kind of like ah oh, it was just a joke you know we were trying to have fun blah blah blah. And then we're, we're taken to more magic tricks from Mr. Copperfield, which, by the way, is, he doesn't have a character name. He's just a magician in this movie. I guess, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then one by one, they all get killed off. And the only other actor, I guess the veteran actor on set would be Ben Johnson. He plays the uh, the train conductor. Uh, he first finds the, bo- the bloody body of the frog guy in the bathroom goes to tell one of his co-workers they come back and then the bathroom's all clean cleaned up so they think he has a bit of an alcohol problem he's just seeing shit but that doesn't last too long because eventually the body numbers start piling up and then one you know eventually everybody else starts finding out what's going on here yeah there's one point where they stop the train get everybody off the train and they want uh, to see if the killer's still on the train and conductors can't find them and now the people don't want to get back on the train but the conductor says you have to which is fucking stupid because there's a killer on the list it's like I don't know but the people that are getting killed are synonymously attached to that incident that happened three years ago which would get you to believe that Kenny is the one that's killing um Kenny does eventually kill everybody but Alana and now they do the big chase scene and Jamie Lee Curtis is famous for her screams. Yeah, when she screamed, all I could think of was Halloween. Yeah, she screamed exactly like it was in Halloween. And the basic gist is she gets away again. They were able to stop this Kenny guy, but apparently... Because she thought it was the magician. I think at some point they thought it was the magician doing all the killing. But she falls asleep, she wakes up, and then finds the magician completely dead in a box with swords in its head. She's like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't know who it is. And come to find out that the woman that was assisting the magician all in the first place, that was Kenny the whole time. That was a, how he was able to slip around and and kill. And Kenny just basically uh, mocks her for being a part of that whole thing. 
he then reenacts the whole scenario that happened a few years ago kiss me she kisses him and then he just miraculously just starts screaming and doing the same thing twisting himself in a curtain and the conductor just smashes him out of a train and he hits the uh frozen ocean that's it he kind of like he falls off the train the train was on a bridge so he falls straight up straight down into the lake or the river yeah. but it was an icy river so bam yeah and then that's it roll credits now, i wanted to ask you about the ending like why did he snap like that because i because obviously he was cross-dressing that was his disguise yes. Rob, basically the whole time he was on that train because he was on stage doing the magic tricks with Copperfield, or he was at least the assistant. Right. So was it just a confuse of his sexuality? You're talking about the rage of him killing people? No, the, the like the reason he snapped at the end after Jamie, Jamie Lee kissed him. Uh, just, I guess he was reliving the moment that happened three years ago that was making him suffer post-traumatic stress disorder. That could be. I, I just I'm throwing an assumption there. In fact, that the ending is the only thing I did not like about the film. It just ended so abruptly, and it ended in a way that just didn't correlate to what was going on. Because earlier he was trying to kill her, now he's got her in sight, and he just replays that scene just to get himself hit and thrown out, and then that's it. That's that's the end of the movie. There's no uh, Jamie Lynn character like reflecting about what she just endured and then maybe a little swerve that he actually survived or some talking about cliches none of that is just it was a very fucking sudden ending and then that was it and it wasn't an ending that's just like eh because everything else was fine the movie was fine it ended up itself it's not a horrible film but the ending was just a lot to be desired mm-hmm. yeah i understand Cause I don't know if that was because yeah, as you mentioned, when he was trying to kill her, was that has that always been his plan to get her in that moment so he can kiss her? Like what about the other? Well, what about when she locked herself in the cage? Was he ever planning on? Because he was trying to stab her through the cage holes. Was he gonna stab her, then open it, and then kiss her? Was the plan always to kiss her? Who the hell knows? The plan just to kill her, and then until he had her in that moment, then well, change the plans. Yeah, I can't say. That was the one thing I did not like about the film was the ending. I guess I did like the little swerve that he was dressed up. He was basically cross-dressing just to get around the train. Yeah. Because no. in the beginning of the movie, you didn't really get a good, clear look of his face. I mean, you kind of did, but then you did it until they revealed that they're like, oh, shit, he was the freaking assistant to uh, Copperfield. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. It was very well done. Yes, I wouldn't have suspected that, but... Yeah, even the sword in the beginning, in the when he his first kill to the one guy that had the Groucho Marx mask, that was the same sword that Copperfield used in his tricks. And I think he realized I'm missing a sword, and you didn't realize that in the beginning. Like, oh shit! Yeah. So other than that, I mean, other than the ending, it was a fine flick. Yeah, as a slasher film, it wasn't too bad. I will say I enjoyed it more. I watched this film before. I remember not really, not really caring for it. Watching hmm. it again. It was a little better the second time around. It's not bad, just wish it had a better ending. That's really it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this is, you know, compared to the other slashers we've seen, whether it be Halloween or Maniac, this 
is nowhere near those movies. No, not even close. Not even in the same ballpark or the same avenue. Yeah. Even even for even with even having Jamie Lee Curtis in this, which I think was a benefit to the film. Yes. She, she's a good screamer. She was good in this. But all in all, it's it's a good film. I would say you should at least give it one try. Yeah, I mean we are watching it won't hurt. Yeah, nothing really too remarkable, but nothing too embarrassing either. Yeah, you got some, you know, cool magic tricks from David Copperfield. I don't know if that was all special effects or those are actual tricks that he did on screen. If it was fucking great. I mean, the guy, his value, he's worth about one billion dollars today. He's obviously a huge act in uh, Las Vegas. That's not named Chris Angel. Or David Blaine. David Blaine or the Circus uh, Delay are probably one of the big acts in Vegas. I mean, yeah. The guy's still relevant today. He's still a big deal. I mean, I think this was what this was forty years ago, and it's, and he's only done a handful of acting roles. This this I think I think he got the most screen time in this film than any other film he's been in. Yeah, he was actually a main character here for sure. Yeah, and they even tease scenes where it looked like his character was interested in uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Alana. Not just that, but tease that he could be the killer. Yeah. And then he dies, and then you realize he ain't. Yep. And the other so, other uh, actor that I know from this film that I realized was uh, the actress Vanity. She was the one girl that was in the uh, train cart with Jamie Lee after she thought she killed Kenny the first time. Uh-huh. And she was, um, she had a dress. She was kind of like watching her, and then she told her, like, you know, let's get out of here. This place gives me the creeps. Yeah. Vanity, for those that don't know, she was a singer. She was an actress. I think in the early 90s, she kind of threw her whole celebrity life aside to, uh, I guess you could say, find God. Uh, finding the Lord. Finding the Lord, yep. And then uh, she passed away a couple years ago. Was it last year or the year before? She passed away not too long ago. But I didn't realize, I was like, oh shit, that's Vanity. I didn't realize she was in this. So, any final thoughts on the Terror Train? It is definitely not terrible but it was fine it was it was a fine movie uh it's probably gonna be one of those movies that i'm gonna forget about over time but for one viewing i think it's it shouldn't hurt yeah i i i was actually preparing to come in, into this you're saying oh, i didn't like this film at all skip it but it's not too bad it has it has its moments as i mentioned it's no halloween it's no maniac, but it's a it's hell. I wouldn't. It's no Friday the Thirteenth. No, and I don't recommend this movie to anybody claustrophobic because there's a lot of scenes where they're in enclosed spaces. Yes, and maybe that maybe that was the idea. That's what they were going for. And I will say, you know, that was they succeeded. Yeah, but it got a little too much after a while. Mm hmm. So yeah, especially if you're claustrophobic, but. You know, a slasher film on a train. It was something different for the time. You know, a good change of setting. So, it's not that bad. Yeah, give it a watch. Give it a watch. Uh, it's available on Tubi. You probably may find a full... A full... A full no, I can't speak. A full... A, I can't say... God damn it. A fuel... No, fuel. Full viewing uh, of the movie. There we go. I got it. There we go. It only took about four or five times. <laughs> there is a remake of the film on Tubi. And 
And I think uh, in a couple weeks, they're going to be releasing the sequel to that remake. They remade Terror Train last year. I heard it's terrible. We Who knows? We may have to watch it for next year, maybe. And then now they're going to release a sequel to that remake. Terror Train 2. Oh, God. I could just imagine who's in Terror Train, the remake. The Terror Train Cinematic Universe is available on Tubi. Woo! Can't wait. Well, any final thoughts on 2022 before we wrap this one up? Fucking strange ass year. But it's a it has been an unforgettable year for sure. This is gonna be one of those years I'm gonna look back on and be like, God damn. And as of this recording, we still got two more days. Yep, yes we do. Uh, 2022, one hell of a year. Uh, whether it be both good and bad for the entertainment business or for your personal life, let's 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 make 2023 better. Let's make 2023 great again. I knew you. I knew you were gonna say that. Come Wait, great, let's make 2023 great again. What happened to the first time we hit 2023? That was back in ABC. Definitely wasn't great. So <laughs> now we got AD. So let's make it great again. Let's make it great again. All right. And uh, uh, for anyone listening, Happy New Year! Happy New Year. We'll speak to you again when it's 2023. That's right. We will see you guys in 2023. For Fratris Goes, for Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Happy New Year! Yay!